Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going to talk about goals, but we're not going to talk about our goals. We're going to talk about God's goals because God's got goals. Do you like my grammar? God's got goals. And so much of um, January in Australia, I tell my friends in the United States, um, the new year doesn't start till February over here because everybody's on holiday and everything's slow and, you know, we move through slowly. And so February is really the new year. So we're still going to talk about um, the new year. And I think it's really, really important. And I believe that God gave me this word to encourage us and to remind us who he is, not just for this year, but always in our life as we're going to go through this year. And how many people like the unknown? Okay. You are courageous people. I dislike the unknown terribly. I love to know what's coming, when it's coming. Like, I'm, I like a surprise, but only if it's good, you know? Um, and it's interesting because Christianity a lot of times is the unknown. Faith is called the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen. And so God asks us to trust him and what he's done on the cross by faith and things that we, we cannot see. But when it comes to a new year, I love it because we're encouraged. We think about what could God do this year? How will I be different? How will he help me be different? What great things are going to happen this year? We can have excitement and expectation, which are good things. Some of us are terrified of what may come. And it's great to stand in faith. And so in thinking about what would be helpful for us, God had been stirring Psalm 23 in me for a while. And it's been a scripture that I've been holding on to. And so I just want to say that whilst, you know, our years are unknown and we've been hearing about people in our church going through difficult things already, and it's week three of January, There is still so much more that we can be expectant for the good that God will do because he is the same. And the shepherd and his ways are known and they never, ever change. And so I want to shift us, shift us this morning to not on ourselves, but I want to shift us to God and his, to his goals. So say it with me. God's got goals. God's got goals. And God has indeed lived for years and years over and over with the same goals. And that is to be your shepherd, to be your shepherd. And in March of last year, I gave birth to my second child, Ayla. And how many of you know that when you have babies, they wake up in the night a lot. Nap this, nap five, nap this, nap that. Often and often and often we're waking up and my, my worries peaked in the night and I was I struggled to get back to sleep I'd be worried about my brother I'd be worried about family back home what's going on here thinking about my kids thinking about all the things that I had to do and my mind would become overwhelmed but the confession of Psalm 23 was on my mouth that I'd repeat over and over and over the Lord is my shepherd 
I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. I lack nothing over and over. And I'd fall asleep every time. And it was great because my mind was stilled, talking to my father, speaking truth to my soul, encouraging myself. And I would, I kid you not, wake up refreshed. And truth does that when we meditate on it. But I want to encourage us all that instead of counting sheep, instead of counting calories, instead of counting on our own will to accomplish and to set goals, I want to encourage you that you can count on your shepherd in 2024. You can count on him. And so for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus on these first four verses of this psalm. And I'm going to read it to us. And if you want to read it with me, you can. The A30 was cranking it out. So we're going to compete with them because healthy competition is good. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so if we look at a bit of context of this scripture, this is David. And David was a shepherd boy. And he was found tending sheep, anointed, saying, you will be king. And he was a king anointed king, even years and years, he was still a shepherd boy. And so him speaking to a language that David knew to his father, that you're my shepherd, had this intimacy and beauty that I love. I love David so much. I love his passion and tenacity to speak honestly with his father. And David was in his later stages of life when he wrote this Psalm. David had been through some stuff, you know? Have you been through some stuff? When you have experience to be able to say, look what God has done. Like he's walked me through. And I love that part when your faith is like refined and you're encouraged and reminded of what he's done here and there. And, and I love that we can stand in January and like, wow, look what God did last year. And we're going to be able to stand here again next year of all the things that, that God did. And, and, and this is his confession in a time of trouble because he's on the run from his son who, and, and he's going to, um, he's threatening his life and, and to kill him. And, and so the first point that I want to make is that God's got goals and he wants to lead you. Who or what is your shepherd? Because all of us are following something. We're in a culture um, of, of celebrity. We're in a culture of idols. And it's not new. This has been, this is biblical stuff. But we want to follow something. And the enemy will do anything he can to lead you astray, little by little. And you know, shepherds are known for being an owner over their flock of sheep. They are what guides and feeds and protects. They care for that sheep. They're bringing those sheep on a journey. And they want those sheep to get to their full potential, but we're not going to be killed. So just know, like, you know, we'll, we'll die, but we're not going, being killed to be sold to eat, okay? But have you ever ordered something at a restaurant 
and you and they have pictures. I love pictures. Praise the Lord for people that make menus at a restaurant with a, a photo of it. If I tell everybody, if I'm ever not sure what to order, I get up and pretend I need to go to the bathroom and I walk around and look at other people's plates because it helps me decide what I want to get because I've been disappointed before. I have received something and it is not how you described it on the menu. Can I please return it? Thank you very much. This is not what I ordered. This is not a soupy acai bowl because that thing needs to be like, you know, perfectly churned. I can, it's like an ice cream gelato. It is not soup. Please write soup acai bowl if that's what, if that's what it is. And I'm not calling anybody out there, just saying. But a Christian journey can sometimes feel like that. Lord, this is not what I thought. This is not what I prayed for. When I said I'd follow you, this is not what I thought you would do in my life. And a lot of times, you know, we get ourselves into trouble, but we don't realize it. But we can be reminded, okay? We can be reminded when what comes our way, who is this God who is leading us? What is he like? And so listen to this in John 10. And this is Jesus talking about himself. And he says, I am the good shepherd, The shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me, And I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it, take it up again. This command I received from my father. And this is such a relational text. You know, we see Jesus talking about himself to his people as a shepherd, and he's talking about his relationship to his father and how he knows his father. And all of these things give us an understanding of who God is and the character that he has for us because he knows his sheep. They know him. He actually has opened up his life to say, they, Jesus, we can know Jesus He's not a secret mystery, though he has mystery sides, but like we can know who he is. He talks with his sheep and he protects his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep willingly and he finds you and me when we're lost and he puts you in a flock and in a community of people so that you're not alone and you can be reminded, you can stick together, you can know the truth and that you can grow and flourish in community. But there's something funny about some of these two things because the enemy is said to observe us. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. He observes our ways. How many of us have heard whispers from the enemy in our ear telling us to do things or speaking lies over us or our situation? But the thing about Jesus that makes Jesus different is he's speaking truth He knows his sheep intimately for their good. He protects his sheep. Satan doesn't do that. (laughs) 
and he lays his life down for his sheep. Only Jesus would do that, which shows you the beauty and the kindness and the love that he has and cares for his sheep. When difficulty comes, he's not a wolf that runs off. He sticks with you. And it says that he has a rod and his staff that he can grab and whack things so that they go away. And so knowing who your shepherd is allows your faith to say in your difficulty, I lack nothing. I have no need. If I have Jesus, I have what I need. I can trust his leadership. And I know that that sounds simple and it may sound like it's easing over the issue, but that is the absolute truth that we can cling to. And so knowing who our shepherd is helps us to know he's at work in my life. He's alive and living and active. When he died, he didn't just stay dead. He rose from the cross. And in 2024, God wants to to be known as your shepherd. And for you to actually say, hey, you're my shepherd, Lord. I give you control. Because the thing is, is that because God's got goals, you've got goals. I've got goals. Say, I've got goals. I've got goals. And in order for God to achieve being our shepherd, we need to be sheep. There you go. There you go, Di. We need to be a sheep. What does that mean? We need to follow. We need to live humbly. We need to read God's word and be submitted to it. We need to listen to his voice. We need to talk to him. We need to trust him. That no matter what our eyes are telling us, he's good. And this is what he says. And I love David because he's got credibility. David's walked through some things and he knows that his shepherd's been there for him. If he's been there for him, the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. Therefore, he'll do the same for me. So be a sheep. Be a sheep. And the second point is that God's got goals to meet your needs. Guess what? You have needs. I have needs and that's okay. And only Jesus can, can meet our needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How many of us here love to be forced to do something? I dislike it strongly. And my small child is the same. She is nearly three. Every day she wakes up now. Her birthday is February 11th. And she asks, is it my birthday? No, it's not your birthday. Not today. I, yeah, I dislike it strongly. And having two small children, those of you who have kids, you're like constantly tending to needs all day, all day. Feed the nappy, give them food, play with them, pay attention to them, give them that toy, give them this other toy, put them to sleep, wake them up, put the sleep suit on, take the sleep suit off. Do all of these things, right? And now that I have an almost three-year-old, she tells me every day what she needs. Can I have an icy pole? No, it's 7.45. You cannot have an icy pole. It's morning time. Breakfast, oatmeal, cereal. I don't need a nap. Okay, um, I'm the boss. You're not. And then she says, I'm the boss. You're not the boss, Scarlett. And um, shout out to all the young families, by the way. You're doing awesome. But this verbal exchange that happens when we're negotiating is not green pastures. It is not still waters. And it does not restore my soul at all. But the point of verse 2 And David saying this about the Lord and Scarlett asking me what she wants all the time, it's about the shepherd because I love it because he is making him, if David lets him, 
lie down. He decides where, he decides when, but that sheep must acknowledge and submit to the shepherd. But sometimes God might make you. He may put that hand and just say, hey, lay down. Or he may bring you along into that right pasture and see if you'll decide. Because sometimes Scarlet, now twice, this is, this is twice, I'm counting, I'm a counter. She has put herself to sleep. 6 p.m. Mommy, I'm tired. Okay, girl, go you. You're so mature. Wow, I'm looking, raising this kid that knows what she needs. It's a joke. It's not. It just helps me. But we learn, right? We learn what we need. And in 2024, guess what? You're going to need peace. How is that going? Are you finding and carving out time for that? What about rest? What about replenishment and refreshment with the Lord? But why does God make us do that? So we can stay sleeping and resting and saying no to things all the time? No, he gives us wisdom and discernment and the rest is so that we can keep going. So that we can actually continue to do the things that God has called us and asked us to do, which a lot of times are in the Bible and we don't have to pray about like serving the church and participating and loving people and evangelizing and discipling believers. But it's not for us to stay there alone and isolated. It's, hey, let's just rest for a minute because let's just keep going because we got to walk through the journey because God wants to use you and you are his vessel and you are his hands and his feet. And so let's talk about our soul for a minute. I love this. I love the restoration of soul because restoration is taking what's already broken, putting it back together, and it actually turns out better than when you first found it. How beautiful. What a trustworthy shepherd that he restores our soul, and he's willing to do that. And our soul is in constant need of TLC from the Lord. And you see, David had did some, had did, had done some things wrong. David had slept with Bathsheba, And he was in sin. But guess what? God didn't just abandon him. He still was his shepherd. When David repented, God still loved him and taught him and led him in paths of righteousness. And the same is true for you and I. Because we have physical and spiritual needs. And when those needs aren't being met, we think we need icy poles at 7.45 a.m. When really we need a nap and an apple, right? So when we keep those basics, it helps us to know what it is and have clear thought and understanding. Because you and I, we cannot lead ourselves into righteousness. We need God's leading. We need his voice through his word, through worshiping him, through listening to him, through living in community. Because guess what? God uses people. God uses us in our frail and flawed nature. And sometimes God's speaking is through a person. And so the shepherd this year wants to meet your needs. And so I've got goals. Say it with me. I've got goals to trust God to lead me to my needs when and how he thinks. That's trust. When and how he thinks. I want it now. I'm a microwave generation. Come on. Okay. And the third point is this. God's got goals to have you stop going alone. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you will be with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we talk about promises. We talk about the faithfulness of God, how good he is. But guess what? You're going to have dark times. You're going to suffer. You're going to have pain. And all of those things are also a promise. But guess what? You've got a shepherd who will go through with you. He'll go through with you. He promises that. Why does he do that? To create intimacy. So that your faith has depth. So that you can actually have more value and credibility to your faith. So that as you get further along the journey, you're like, oh my gosh, he was faithful. Yep, he was there for me. I know he's going to walk through this with me. How kind of him to give us that encouragement. Stop going alone. Invite him in. And a few years ago, I was a part of a situation that involved a few close friends of mine. And it got a bit messy. And feelings were really hurt because of what was said. And it crushed me because of the level of complexity the situation got. And the uncomfortability of having the conversations that exchanged and acknowledging where I went wrong and the things that I said that weren't great and how I had caused unnecessary pain that for this person that I really, really actually care about deeply. And it wasn't a reflection of what the relationship meant to me. I was embarrassed and betrayed. I had a mix of emotions. I felt misunderstood. I felt humbled. I felt sorry. And it was a lot for me to deal with. But you know what? We talked about it together. We listened to each other. We, I apologized for the things that I had done. And forgiveness happened. And it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. It, it required me to resist the temptation to avoid difficulty and walk through it. Because it was a biblical thing to do. But also, guess what happened? I lived. I did. And... And there was loving correction. And my friend said to me, hey, Linnea, you know what I've learned about relationships? It's this. It's that when you go through really messy things together, it's an opportunity to get closer together and to be stronger. And I think we're stronger now because we've been through this really hard thing. And I'm confident that our relationship can now withstand anything because we trust each other. Because fear would have had me running away from this person, but love had us walking towards each other. We didn't throw each other away. We didn't stop letting people in because everybody hurts me and people hurt me all the time and I don't like the church and whatnot. All humans need to be avoided. I despise humanity. No, it was a, such a beautiful moment that I have now stuck forever in my brain. Uh, this, this, was, this girl was Jesus to me. And she walked me through this situation and it blessed me. And it taught me to own my stuff. How am I going to be a friend like that to somebody else that may do something to hurt me? Rising above shame, regret, playing a victim. And we just, she just held my hand through that. And so it's... I got smacked in the head though. God took that rod and said, hey, that wasn't okay. Oh, sorry, Lord, right? And he disciplines those that he loves. And walking through that difficulty produced a rich, deep, and the most delicious wine of a friendship that I can tell you is worth going through hard conversations and difficult things. So when I go through, and when you go through, we're going with a trustworthy shepherd who's going to help me and help you when we're wrong. And let's not forget that David, even a king, needs a shepherd. 
even a king needed a shepherd. One of the greatest kings. He was said to be the man after God's own heart. He needed a shepherd. And so the third goal, you've got goals. Let's hear it. Say, I've got goals. He wants to go through, doesn't want you to go through alone and to have courage to go through and trust there's going to be triumph. Trust there'll be triumph. God is going to lead you through. He's going to lead you out because I've seen it. So guess what? I want to tell you today, God's going to lead you through it. No matter what we're talking about, maybe a situation that hasn't even happened yet. But sometimes triumph is when the door shuts. Sometimes triumph is when the relationship is over. Sometimes triumph can be disappointment that we yet do not understand. Triumph can be, for a time, absolute heartache, disappointment, and feel like failure. But we're promised a victory in Jesus that can never, ever, ever be taken from us. And the greatest king of all, King Jesus, who is the good shepherd, he left his title, his place of position to be in a lowly position that wouldn't have been desired in order to lay his life down for you and for me. And he looked to his father as his shepherd. Why would he? Why would he do that for us? He did that so that we could be reunited with God and receive a new joy and power that we can have even now and forever, forever. The Bible says that this time on earth is but a blink. That's it. It seems like it goes on forever, but eternity will last forever. So remember that God would do that for you. And he wants to reveal his character. I love this because Jesus dying on the cross and the shepherd and the sheep, this is all relational. So the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. You are not meant to be alone. He wants to be involved in your life. And you know, our church is going through some transition at the moment. But guess what? He's our shepherd and he's going to lead us and he's the best pastor, and he's pastoring our church, and he's leading us because God's got goals for this church, and he's got goals for you, and he's got goals for me. He's going to lead us, and he's going to lead our church, and he's going to meet us in our church's needs so that we can sit and stay in our bubble. No, so that we can be better equipped. We can rest and rejuvenate together so that we can go out into our community and be a light to them. And he's going to walk us through because God doesn't get glory out of perfect people. I wish, I love things to go well and to be perfect. He's gonna walk you through in order so that there's glory on the other side. So go through this year, church, knowing you're not alone. He is our shepherd. In him we have nothing and have no need. So may we allow for this relationship with him as a shepherd to his sheep. Help us in a new way in 2024. In Jesus' mighty name, may you remember this year as you go through that he's your shepherd. And so you just remind yourself over and over, just speak to your spirit. If you're up in the night, if you're not sure, if the enemy is saying something different, no, no, no. He said he's my shepherd because he will be faithful to his word. Always, always, always. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. 
there is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.